A game of rugby takes 80 minutes. That's 4,800 seconds. But it only takes one to win a scrum, to steal a line out, make a break and score a try. One second for a hero to become a legend, for one team to become champions. And it's their line-out that creates the opportunities to score their tries, and that's exactly what happened. He goes wide, and he finds a winger. Oiderman, he's faster than a bald man's haircut. Oiderman, and he gets the try. What a heartbreaker. Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 96, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Well, hello folks, 96, we encroach on the 100th episode, just a little bit each time, I get so excited, Dan Power, with you alongside the professor, Pete Steinberg, and Pete, glorious to have you back, my friend, how was the weekend? The weekend was, um, the weekend was really interesting, I mean, so many games on Saturday, uh, I was uh, um, I was a single parent, but I'm like kids go to bed pretty early, and then but by the time I got Saturday night, it was like there's I guess I guess two games right because there was like a 6 p.m. game I could watch the end of and an 8 p.m. an 8 p.m. game Mountain Time, but like there were already three games gone that I didn't <laughs> I couldn't see. So, um, but it was it was it was good. I thought it was a really um, I think I think we're getting into like the dog days of the league, Dan. I feel like there are some teams that are running a bit on, hu- on fumes, and mm. yeah, some of the qualities of the game, like some of the quality of play, there was a lot of effort, there was a lot of, a lot of competitiveness, but I think we, you know, we're losing some of the quality that we had earlier on in the season. I think. Uh, to steal a line from my good friend, uh, the Macho Man Randy Savage, oh, the cream is rising to the top. So we're starting to see the separation. I, I agree. I think, you know, the two games I did, uh, I noticed that where we're starting to see a distinct separation of performances on the field. And the season is getting to the pointy end, Pete. It's just uh, it's the way it's going to be. But which game, uh, which game was your favorite? Oh, that's a good question. I haven't even thought about that. Um, I actually think like New York Toronto was yeah. probably my favorite. Yeah, I really was really impressed with how Toronto played with a bunch of young guys. I thought that New York would end up blowing them out, but Toronto played really well. And yeah, I mean I think you know, I think I think New York's on a pretty good run with sort of, you know, their backup fly half and they're a bit beaten up. So I thought I thought that game was good. I, I wasn't able to watch um, as much of the uh, LA Seattle as, as, as I would like because it clashed with the Olympic gymnastic trials. Yeah, I, which, me too. Yeah, which, which, which my wife described as um, like really more important than the Olympics because, you know, these are the people that are going to win the medals. That's, that's similar with the track and field, right? I was you watched both at the trials. same time? Um, so I tried. Because we it, did. It, it was like, like Aaron, when you're married... Like there are some things that that you just don't do. But what I did was I really screwed up. So so this is this is this is maybe a little bit of a um, a TV trick. So my wife was watching the Olympic trials um, downstairs on cable. Yeah, we still have cable, right? And so I said, oh, I'll go put the Olympic trials up on Peacock in our room, right? Because uh, you know we got to sleep at nine, and so. Um, so I go upstairs and I put the Olympic, I just turn him on. I said, oh, the Olympic trials are on. And she comes up and she's like, hold on. This is the, like, like when, she, when she comes up and I think she takes a shower and then she, and I've paused it and she comes out and she goes, well, hold on. This is the fourth rotation. I was only on the second rotation downstairs. And that's because it wasn't live on NBC. Gotcha. It was recorded on NBC. And that's when she told me she has to wait three more years to have the next Olympic trials, and I screwed it up for her. Well, at least she has the so Olympics. Aaron, to answer your question, I was not able to watch both at the same time. We were, uh, we are avid gymnastics fans in this house as well, and we did watch them at the same time. 
So, you know, I, I guess I got lucky there that the big yeah, screen yeah. did not get taken. Well, anyway, that's, I don't have a travel tip this week, but I'll give you guys a golf tip. Um, as uh, is the case, sometimes you can't get on the uh, most desired flight as you are on a budget when you're traveling. So couldn't get on the early flight out Sunday morning. So was doing some games with my old teammate, Colin Hawley. I said, uh, you want to play golf Sunday? We'll go play at the Golf Club of Indiana. Shout out to our friends up at the Golf Club of Indiana. Big fans of the show. They said they love it. They love the professor's tactics, their favorite part. Uh, check the weather, folks, if you're going to play golf, because Colin and I spent uh, probably like eight holes in torrential downpour of rain, uh, snuggled together in the golf cart. And uh, went well, though. Yeah, check the weather. So hold it, you make hold it. Your golf dumps. tip, your golf tip is check the weather. Yeah, that's like is. that's like a travel tip of you know get to the airport before your flight takes off. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But I had a lot on my plate on the weekend, Pete. I had two games and uh, two, games. Just didn't two games think on the about same the day, which is hard, especially someone of your years. Oh, oh, pot meat kettle. Yes, that's a good one, though. That's just, I think I act older than you. I'm an older soul. I'm like sleepy and tired. But, yeah, you definitely um, I actually enjoyed parts of, I, I loved a little bit of the, the tension in the Noel and New England game. Uh, we had some fisty cups. We had yeah. some high shots and some pushing and shoving. And it's, it was, it was kind of cool. Uh, your rugby league background, you're like, oh, this is all good stuff. Shoulder charges, yeah, it was like a throwback to the halcyon days of State of Origin, which is happening right now in the 80s and early 90s. Of uh, you know, a couple of the best was the the high shot that was a penalty try, and, and uh, referees like I didn't get his number. You could see Harry Barlow like tiptoeing very quietly know, across I, I, the back of the He's like the AR. Did you get the number? Did you get the number? Because yet that like referees are supposed to if they award penalty tries. They're supposed to also award it a yellow card. Yeah. You're not supposed to award a penalty try without also awarding a yellow card. And that's why he was asking, because that's what he's supposed to do. Yeah. Harry Barlow, sneaky. Loved it. Loved it. All right, mate. Tonight's banter, as always, brought to you by shopmlr.com, powered by the rugby shop. And uh, what specials as we enter the last few days of June? It'll actually be July when this show releases. So, anything up? Fourth of July yeah, I mean, specials. I mean, like, there's well, one of the things I really like on shopmlr.com is that they have um, on a special. They have the New England Free Jacks jersey. You know, with the with the with the hoops, the thin hoops. And yeah, the, like, I, yeah. I I really like that jersey. So it's on there. I think it's sixty bucks or fifty nine ninety nine. So that's a that's a good jersey to go get if you're looking. Like like because I know that there's a you know a lot of us right don't have a, maybe an MLR team that we support. But we just want to support MLR and we want to, you know, we, we enjoy like the league. And so I think if you're like that, one of the cool things is you can buy jerseys from all the teams. And so, you know, you go to shopmlr.com and check out what's on special. And if you like those jerseys, you can buy it. I think if you're like, you know, a rabid San Diego fan or Seattle fan or New England fan, yeah. then you've only got one jersey that you can buy. But if you're not one of those, you can buy a bunch of them. Go nuts. Go nuts. Go nuts. And I will say, that walking around in a rugby jersey, I mean, maybe not in 100 degree heat, but walking around in a rugby jersey is actually a pretty interesting conversation starter. Like I've like the number of times I've met, hey, hey are you a rugby fan? I'm a rugby fan. And then before you know it, you have some connection. And- yeah. Yeah, I, was just, I had my, uh, I have an all wax zipper. Um, I know it's like sacrilegious, but I was walking through Newark airport a few weeks ago. Kiwi guy runs up. Oh, hey, bro. I was like, ah, no, not quite. But yeah, good team. (laughs) Real good team. No, like Um, like the opposite of your bro. It's like, no, not bro. Whatever the opposite of your bro is. But like, I've been gone long enough that I can wear it. I'm from West New Zealand. So the big island. Hey, let's do a little housekeeping before we jump into the reviews of the games. Uh, Big news coming out this week. Obviously, Brian Martin, New England Free Jacks head coach, will return to the Rebels as an assistant coach and handle their attack down there. And Darren Coleman is the new head coach at the New South Wales Waratahs in Super Rugby. So two of our coaches uh, have had a a good year going back to Super Rugby. So congrats to DC and Mardo for those appointments. And it just goes to show that 
you know, a lot of eyeballs are on Major League Rugby from around the world. And not only players now, as we see, coaches as well, getting opportunities. Well, I think I think this is great for the league because, uh, you know, you look at someone like Ryan Martin and he, he came in with like a good coaching resume, but not at that level, right? More, more at the developmental level. He comes over here, he cuts his teeth. Um, I think he goes back. Same with Darren Coleman. Like if this is a stepping stone for young, exciting, innovative coaches, then I'm all over it, right? I mean, I think yeah. that you see some of the stuff that Ryan Martin's done in New England. Like, you know, he's a good follow on Twitter. You can see, like, this is a guy right on the cutting edge and his ability to come over here and to 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 bring that is great. I mean, I'm disappointed for the Free Jacks in this one, I'll tell you, Dan, because I feel like Ryan Martin was the exact coach that they needed for the long term. He's yeah. like, like, he does have that developmental background, but... You know, you can't fault someone for, you know, going back and, 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 and getting a gig at a Super Rugby, even if it is the Melbourne Rebels, right? Ooh, shade, shade. Coming from the man who spent more time at the Crusaders than anyone else, just ask him how much time he spent at the Crusaders. All right. Oh, I, uh, uh, to be fair, I've spent more time at the Brumbies than I have at the, uh, um, at, at the Crusaders. So the Brumbies is probably, like, like if I had a Super Rugby team, it'd probably be the Brumbies. Well, someone get a job at the Brumbies. There we go. Scott Lawrence yeah, okay. to the Brumbies. See, you heard it here first. All right, let's jump into the review, starting with your favourite game, New York-Toronto, 31-24. Uh, Toronto scoring uh, the late 60s, early 70s. I think it was late 60s to make this interesting in the last 10 minutes. New York hold on. Uh, they were comfortable in this game for quite a period of time before Toronto scored a couple of late points. But what were your takes on this one, Pete? Well, I mean, I think this is just, it's just really interesting to me to see this new, you know, the, 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 um, the culture of this New York team, like they are united, right? I mean, this is a team, they don't have their starting nine, they don't have their starting 10, um, you know, they're, they're, they're putting together some, um, you know, like Nick Stavata was back, that's, that's a big win, um, but Asso is just like, a, you know, a great player that's, that's doing good stuff. Um, Hamasei's had a great game. I actually think that the bat row was really good here. Uh, you know, you had, um, uh, you know, you didn't, I think it's the first game this year that Lucas Rumble didn't start for the Arrows. And I think that's probably right. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think that, that, that told, but from, from the Arrows perspective, like they had some young guys that stepped up and, and helped raise the pace of the game, right? And that's kind of what you want. And so I think that there's, um, you know, a lot of, uh, like like for the Arrows, I think they're really looking to next year and also probably to next week, right? So they were playing some of these guys that have, um, you know, like Will Kelly to make sure that he's ready to play um, for Canada against Wales. So I think I think that's, that's important. It was great to see Sam Malcolm come back um but you know this new york team it's another team that's just like maybe not playing great but they're they're grinding out these wins and you know um you know and, and i'm like they made it interesting at the end but it was kind of like like i'm not sure that i really felt like toronto were we're going to pull it off i guess they had a couple of opportunities there but yeah I, I felt like this was a relatively easy win for new york so. Yeah, with Nola winning their game as well, can you imagine if Toronto had come back even drawn, even tied that up? What that would have done for the East? Yeah, I mean, right. I mean that's what, and, and that's what Nola needs, right? Nola needs like New York to lose, and you know it's a possibility. But Nola, we'll talk about their run here a little later. Uh, they end up going on the road. They score seventeen unanswered points in the second half to win seventeen to nine over New England. Uh, physical game, spiteful game. Um, New England's first loss at home. What do you think of this one? So this was, a, I mean, this is a game of two halves, right? But it's a game of penalties in the halves. So, um, you know, New England had 17 penalties. Oof. That's a lot. Um, Nola had nine, but most of Nola's penalties were in the first half. I think Nola had more, more penalties than, than New England in the first half. And it was interesting to see New England take the points. Like you could look back at this and you can be like, huh, you know, so you had three kicks for goal. Maybe, maybe you would have something different, but this Nola team is actually, you know, and if you talk to Nate Osborne, he would say he's an attacking coach, but this Nola team is winning with its defense. 
Um, yeah. And, and you know, they uh, 90% tackles, they made 124 tackles and missed 14. Um, they've become a very, very difficult team to score against. And that's what's really leading them as they like go through the, uh, um, uh, like go through this run. I mean, Andrew Guerra made 17, ta- like made 17 tackles and missed one. I mean, he's really, it's almost like when he got selected for the Eagles, he started playing even better. That he was yeah. but he was really really good at the breakdown he had three dominant tackles so it's great to see him play i think so so well um so i think that from from nola you know it's all going to be what what do they do without like their starting front row and their captain and their line out leader and you know they're, they're, they're number seven and you know they've 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 got bigger tests ahead of them but they're you know good good Considering all the injuries that they've had, particularly at 10, um, you know, seeing Carl Meyer back, I think was a big boost for them, but they're going to have some real challenges as they have some of those players um, leave to go on tour. Yeah, it'll be an interesting run to keep an eye on. All right, moving on. Utah on the road. This is a big win for them because it was a, a little bit of a danger game. Going down to Houston's always difficult for a Saturday night game. They end up getting the win and the bonus point right at the death. Yep. 24 points to five. Uh, and they take away maximum points in this one, which is going to be huge for the East Coast, uh, West Coast. Yeah, I mean, this was, so I know this was a game that Houston targeted, right? I think the week before they, they might have rested some players. This was their last home game. They wanted to make an impact. But, you know, Utah had 57% possession, 60% territory. Um, but they didn't defend very well. And that was the challenge that, that they had, right? So they missed 31 tackles. Um, and so that's a concern if I'm Utah. They they were one of the better tackling teams early on in the season. It looks like they've got some problems there. Um, uh, but, you know, that territory and possession really comes from penalties and 16 penalties, real problems at the ruck for Houston. Couldn't really work out what the, um, what the referee was doing. And, you know, when you give away that many penalties against the team that's as good as Utah and in particular sort of like is able to play from their set piece so well. I think that that's a uh, um, that's a real a real challenge for them. But again, Utah, you know, need to win this game. I think they have a bye next week, so I think they only have one game where they're missing both scrum halves, right? Which is a challenge. Then you know, and some props and stuff like that. But they actually have they have some good depth here. So I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty um, you know I think Utah have a pretty good shot at a. Um, you know, well, I mean, they've got it in their hands, but I think they've got a good shot of even being able to win without their tourists um, in two weeks. Yeah, bye this weekend for Utah. So they're on a yeah. bye this weekend. Uh, all right, moving forward, DC go down to ATL. I, I feel like, although not official yet, this win for ATL pretty much puts them into the finals. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this puts them in the playoffs. I don't think there's like, you know, I think some like they would have to get like no more points, right? It's like something like that. Um, yeah. No, would have to win. Like, like I just don't think they're in the playoffs now. I think you know this was, yeah, this is the ATL game plan, right? So, um, sixty-three percent territory, but only forty-eight percent possession. They are very comfortable using the foot to be able to move the ball. They they moved Eskura back to ten, right? So they played him there. They played they played Petsa at twelve. Um, neither of those guys, I think, are going to be starters by the time they get into the playoffs. Um, you know, Austin White at 15. The big news for them is Kurt Coleman got 24 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that's, a, you know, it, it, I would say it's like a new signing, but it's a new signing that has been in every team meeting for the last two years. Right? Yeah. So the last year and a half. So so that I think is um, is uh, a, a huge sign for them. You know, for, for Old Glory, they've really struggled to um, generate play from phases they're really good because they've got so many good rugby players in turnover and broken play but they've they've struggled to generate play against phases but everyone struggles to generate play in phases against atlanta so you have to be very accurate you have to be able to have a really good launch from the set piece um that that means you have to have a dominant set piece but um old glory really struggled in the line out right so they only won 63 percent of their line outs so you know, this has been, a, I think, a sad, a sad season of, 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 you know, a better scrum than they had last year, right? So that's been a big improvement. 
but just not the same attacking platform. Tusi Tala and Roberts just haven't been able to, to, um, to play the game that they've played in the past. Yeah, I agree. Robertson, a little bit me. of a re, little bit of a rejig in DC. I, I think like they're, they're not too far off. Okay, all right. Austin, San Diego, Austin. They keep their season alive as well in the West. It's just uh, it comes interesting here. They go on the road and get a good win over San Diego. So I think I looked at the teams, like I looked at the lineups, and I felt like the Legion team had a better starting lineup and the AGs had, had a better bench. Um, but the Legion, like all season, they've had flashes where you're like, this is the best team in the league. They'll do something where they'll, like, they just click. And they, you know, and a lot of that's been injuries, particularly in the back line. They've been moving players around. They haven't had a chance to do that. They had 16 turnovers. Austin only had nine, which is how Austin have to win. Um, both teams defended very well, over 85%. Um, but Austin, would, like they had 100% ball retention at the ruck. Austin are just going to wear you down, right? They're going to have a good set piece. They're going to wear you down. And they're going to have a very, very good defense. And like the Legion didn't have many answers for the defense of the, uh, of the AGs. Like the AGs kind of shut them down. They had three line breaks in the whole game, which is kind of weird when you look at the, um, uh, the talent that they have, uh, both in the pack and, and in the bat line. So very, very, in, you know, like, like it was kind of like a weird game because I kept, I kept like thinking that the Legion were going to do something and then Austin would do something. So, yeah, yeah I think, look, look I could argue, you could argue that the AGs and Atlanta and New York are all very and, and even Nola, all very similar teams. We'll talk about this in the professor's breakdown. They'll play a very good, like some sort of pressure defense, particularly in the middle, right? And they they make you they have very, they have good set piece and they make you very difficult and they make it very difficult for you to score in those phase plays. And so you know all that they, they all have a, a, a relatively similar game plan. Um, I think both the AGs and uh Nola have adjusted to the teams that, that they have. Um, I think probably New York a little bit. I think Atlanta, that's been their DNA from the start. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Interesting times for San Diego because uh, great franchise. I'm sure they'll bounce back. Just a note, great to see Nate Augsburger back from a, a leg injury. We thought it was going to What an impact. Like he came in yeah. and boom. Like it's like yeah. one of those things. All of a sudden, everything started working. And if you are signing players at San Diego, Bjorn Basson is probably one of the first backline guys I sign. He is just week in, week out, the spark for that side. Two tries again. One was an intercept. The other came off a long Thomas Morani run. But Bjorn Basson continues to uh, do great things down in San Diego. So, LA on the road to Seattle. Last game on Sunday. Standalone game Sunday, 29-14. Giltini's with uh, what was an interesting roster, the first time this year we haven't seen Harrison Goddard in the 23. Um, I, was, I was tempted when I'm looking at this roster to pick Seattle because I feel like Seattle were building for something, but there was enough players out there where I'm like, I'll, go, I'll stick with but LA, especially when Darren Coleman had seen Utah and Austin both win. He's probably like, well, we need to get this one done too. And they did. Well, this was also a little bit of a rejig lineup for Clarkie, right, in Seattle. So put Futi at 12, who doesn't have the size, but had the run. We saw Matt Turner come back. That was great. Yeah, um, yeah. And, 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 and sad to see Brad Tucker leave again. That's a loss, right? I, I feel Call like... Call me, Bradley. I want to know you're okay. Call me. You know, I think, I think Brad's, Brad's a loss for those guys. I think that, you know, he's one of those glue players. He makes everyone better, but... Um, you know, Seattle were competitive um, and LA, you know, were um, explosive, right? So they had they had the opportunities. I, I still think that, um, you know, LA's defense is, you know, up there with Atlanta's in terms of how well they defend and how difficult they are to score against. Um, but two potential Achilles heels with LA. So um, one is penalties, right? Mm -hmm. So they can see a lot of penalties in this game. And the second is the line out. And I think that it's like, you know, if Dave Dennis is not the target, their line out isn't working as effectively as I think it could. And so, 
um, you know, if I'm a Utah or an AGs and I'm looking at LA and I'm like, all right, what if we can keep our penalties down, then we can play in the right part of the field. And then if, if we can really attack their set piece, in particular their lineout, which is such an important scoring um, opportunity for them just to get in the head of the, um, of like the throwers and jumpers, then, then that's, that's how you do it. I'm excited about what Alan Clark is doing in Seattle. Like I can see him experimenting. He's trying to yeah. play, putting players in different spots. And that's kind of what, what you need to do when you come in at the situation that he is. So I'm excited to see what they do next year. Absolutely. All right, let's dive into playoff implications now from the weekend. It's a little simpler now. The pitch is quite clear. There's three teams in each conference that can effectively do something in the playoffs here. New England um, you know, would require something miraculous that I don't think even you know Neil Tyson deGrasse would be able to mathematically figure out. But they are gone. So now in the East, we are left with Atlanta in the pole position. New York most likely to lock up that second place. Nola, uh, an unlikely road to the playoffs. Um, on the West, LA in a similar position to Atlanta. Utah has a firm grip on second place. And then the interesting one becomes Austin um, with still their brethren, LA, to play against Utah and ATL to play against Utah. So Utah do have a tough little run here in their last two games, but we shall see. We shall see. Uh, who are you thinking? You're still thinking the two teams that are in first and second now will go through both conference? So I, I think a lot on the, um, you know, so next weekend, um, let's let's take the West. Next, next, next weekend, both, um, well, this coming weekend is both Utah and the AGs have a bye, mm-hmm. right? So um, then you say, all right, and the weekend of the 10th, the AGs play the Guiltinis, right? Now, by that point, the Guiltinis might have their playoff spot sewn up, right? Because they're playing NOLA this, um, this weekend at home. And um, let me just have a quick look. So if they win with a bonus point, they're now 10 points ahead of Utah with two games to go, Yeah. right? So, so they're basically in if they win with a bonus point right and so then what you have to say is okay so what kind of team do they put out we've seen some experimentation um what time kind of team they put out um against the guild against the uh, the ags right and so um that's a really tough game and then utah are playing um atl and atl also have a bye this weekend so that'll be good for them they play such a physical game and you know utah might have the home um field basically wrapped up if new york and uh nola lose right yeah so if new york and nola lose then there's you know atl i mean i don't think they would do this but they you know might be rotating or they might be thinking like so so a lot of people are like you know wait till the last game and rest your players i'm like oh you don't want to do that you want to rest your players before the last game so they can play together before you go to the playoffs right and that's right that's what i would think so i think that um you know that the 10th is going to be and there's a little bit of overlap in those games right um you know so the ag game will still be going when um the uh, utah game kicks off which, gotcha. I, which, which i think which i think is good so but if you know if the guiltinis beat the ags then utah utah have it they're right? um they're, yep. uh, they're not in but they've got like they need to get like a b- bonus points in their last two games to basically make it um on the other side i mean nola that uh, the guiltinis this weekend is really really tough um, like if they pull that game off, then you know Nate Osborne is the coach of the year, right? Like I think I think if they can go to you know because they have, they don't have a starting like they don't I think they I think they're missing three of their top four props right that are going on tour. They've, yeah. they've, they've got two locks in Bailey and Doty that are both gone. They've got a seven, two starting back row that I mean literally like. They've got a second team pack going up against the Guiltinis. Um, and so, but they'll go into that game knowing what Rugby United um, New York did, right? So if if Rugby United lose, you know, then it goes to the last weekend, even if Nola loses. 
Right. So right. Well, what, right. here's another one to consider on the other side. Rugby United has beaten ATL twice this year. So they would have a tiebreaker if they get into that situation where they're tied up as well. So there's still yeah, a little bit of stuff to kind of figure out there at the top of the table for ATL. Like I said, I don't think this weekend will clear things. It'll clear things up for LA. LA beat Nola. We know LA's are in, in the playoffs, and that's that's a done deal. Um, but, but if the LA rest of it, though, and New York win, then that's Nola's then we know that, yeah, done then, then it's the fight for the top spot. Yes, right. Like we know who the two teams Spicy. are. Then it's the fight for the top spot. Yeah, feisty. Exactly. I like it. I like it. All right, we got a special treat for our listeners. They've been they've been begging for this. They as we throw been, to our play, have, they've, player they've, interviews. This, is, this has definitely been something that they've been begging for. I've, I've, I've seen a lot of it, a lot of begging. Let's see how he does here. We uh, we have our player of the week, Hunko Kremasaz, who uh, we spoke to early today, but no Pete Steinberg, no Professor, no Dan Power. Stats boy, Aaron Castro. He took the baton and ran with it. It's Olympic gold, folks. Enjoy the interview. It's a good one. Hello, everyone. Uh, I've got Hanko Hamashais uh, with me today. And, uh, well, Hanko, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. Uh, a little tired, a little jet lagged, uh, still getting used to this England time zone. Yeah. So, you know, this summer we're not hosting the tour, but you guys are getting the opportunity to play both England and Ireland. You know, how did you know? Or when did you know that you guys were going to go abroad rather than there was going to be a, a, a home tour in July? Um, probably about a month and a half, two months ago. Um, it was very difficult with COVID trying to organize it. Uh, but the staff and everybody eventually got it done for us. Um, so they let us know there was going to be an option and it came to reality. And now we're here. Moving back to your preparation this past week after your great performance uh, on the weekend, you know, how did you feel going into the Toronto match? I felt good. Um, our week of preparation was amazing. It was hot. Um, but we all, after the Utah game, we all came together, talked about our mistakes and things we were good at and what we can fix. And we worked on mostly on ourselves the Toronto week and um, fixed all the little details that we can and being more up-tempo. Um, so it was very exciting going into the Toronto game. Toronto still was a tough opponent uh, that you guys faced. So what were the specific things that you guys worked on as a team um, going into the game? Um, some things that we worked on was just um, everybody being alive, um, being up-tempo, uh, being in their faces, putting pressure on them to make the mistakes, playing in their half. Um, everybody just do, doing the little things, um, the little details to put us over the edge. Uh, you know, with, with the game actually in hand and how it went down, um, what were the things that you really thought happened uh, well for yourself and, and well for the team? And then also, how did you sort of feel in the moment with – you know, thing having to adjust um, in that, I guess, process and inside the game? Um, the big thing for us as a team that went very well was our defense. Uh, we put a lot of pressure on them, tried to be in their faces, line speed, uh, just closing them down from the, in, uh, from the outside in. Um, our scrums and our lineouts, we put a lot of focus into our scrums and lineouts, and then the end of the day, it paid off for us. Stepping back, uh, you know, to, to your development as a rugby player and growing up in Nebraska, what, what were the things that you had to do and your parents had to do that allowed you to develop into uh, a top American player that has now been a real mainstay of the professional space in the U.S. over the past six years? Um, big thing was coming over from South Africa. My, my dad moved here before us, so I told him the only way I'll move to America as if he found me a, a local club and luckily in Omar they had like six or seven high school teams already so I came over started playing with them got to the um got picked for the to represent Nebraska and went to the um what is it the the Rocky Mountain Challenge 
And then that's where I got picked up for the USA when I was 14. And that's just how my path led was through the eighth grades. You guys are in England now for the, uh, the summer tour. Um, obviously, it's a bit compressed, but what has been the process uh, for the squad uh, knowing that it was going to be effectively a weird preparation uh, for both this game and Ireland? Um, you know, also being in the MLR season as well, what are the things that the coaching staff and the, the op staff have done to, to make it so that you guys can get prepared in the best uh, way forward? Um, they've helped us a lot with when we found out we would have meetings uh, once a week. They send us out the playbooks, what they expect from us um, coming into camp and stuff. So they helped us a lot by giving us the information we'll need to prepare ahead of time. So when we came in here to camp, we already know what we're going to do, what plays we're going to run. So it just helped when they send us out those things. So everybody has an idea of what we're going to do. Now we just have to put it on the pitch. You've been a, a solid piece of the Eagles for the last several years. Uh, what does it be, feel like now that you're, you're really a veteran when you get that email or you get that call um, that you're going on tour? It still feels like when I was 19 years old, when I got my first email from the USA team, every time you get that email, it brings you back to that first time you got it. Um, it never gets old. It's always a new experience, gives you goosebumps to represent your country. So every time when I got that email, it just felt like it was the first time again to represent. M moving on uh, to just have some fun here. Uh, you know, you're a big outdoors guy uh, growing up in Nebraska, obviously. So of your teammates, who is the most outdoorsy and who is the least outdoorsy? Of course, I will be the most outdoorsy. But well, you can't include yourself. You can't second include to yourself. A second to follow would have to be my roommate, Quinn, uh, Canadian. He's currently also here in England with the Canadian team. But uh, me and him didn't, didn't know each other at all going into New York and and up rooming together and we all we do is talk about outdoors and trucks and country and music and stuff like that so Quinn is definitely number one and then the least outdoors you would have to be um probably Ben Foden uh he's definitely a big New Yorker boy fancy man uh, I wouldn't be able to see him out of the woods. I would like to take him camping to go see what what he can do if he can start a fire with some sticks but uh definitely Ben Foden so you're going, uh, you're going on a camping trip. Um, who are the five guys that you want to take on your camping trip? Oof, that's a good question. Out of rugby season, guys who can drink. Always fun having a, a drink around the campfire. So uh, I would have to go with Evan Mintern, uh, Ned Brickley. He can fight off the bears for us. And then, oh, geez, who else do I got in there? Quinn, definitely. Uh, Will Leonard, uh, how many is that for? And then Samu. So, so we're going, we're going back home. You're taking the boys um, back to Nebraska. Which one of your teammates would be completely lost on a farm, and which one of your teammates would just have the time of their life? Time of their life. Uh, Cara, Cara would have the time of his life. He, 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 he likes to explore, so he'll have the time of his life. Uh, who would be lost? That would have to be Evan Mentern. Uh, I know he's from Ireland, but I don't know if he knows his way around a farm. He's going to kill me for saying that. Um, well, Hanko, uh, thank you uh, for the time, and good luck uh, against England this weekend. No, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on the call. There you go, Hunko. He is, uh, he's getting around. A bit of Glendale, a bit of Austin, now New York and off on tour, but definitely his best game. I've seen him this year and, and a good one, especially for Gary Gold to see him play like that for, you know, heading off to the UK. Yeah, I mean, um, Hanko's a really good edge forward. He's, he's not, some, you know, he's a guy that, that can stay out on the edge and he's so powerful and impactful. I think that it's, uh, um, 
you know, it's 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 exciting. And I think you know, I I am. I don't know if um, I mean, the last couple of years I've been excited to watch the the US because I know the ML MLR guys. But you know, we're going to play England with the British Lions um, players away. Um, you know, I'm really looking forward to watching um, these these two games for Canada and the US because you know the players so well. So it's really exciting. It, it's different era, isn't it? Like there's no more picking some guy out of a you know, Division One team, you right. know, in, in the mid-Atlantic. You're like, who, who is this guy? Um, I agree. It's going to be great. All right, let's go into speaking, speaking of great. How good is this? It's Professor's Tactics time, breaking into the lab again to get a sneak peek. How to beat a pressure defense. And we've seen there are some good ones. And MLR defense has been king this year. How do you beat it, Pete? So, so just so everyone knows, when I, you know, Dan, Dan does a great job of setting up the professor's tactics, and then as soon as I start talking, like gets on his phone. So, um, <laughs> oh, a little harsh. Well, this is because this is interesting, right? Because because Dan's Dan, you 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 have a background in rugby league, and so a lot yeah. of the things that that you do, rugby league is a is a pressure defense, right? And what we mean by a pressure defense is a defense where defenders launch and stay square. Right. So they don't drift. Now, in the modern rugby union defense, everyone has a, a piece that's a pressure defense. So for most teams, the middle of the field or the middle of the defense, those players stay square because it allows you to be a very strong wall. It allows you to create two player tackles. Right. And it, and it allows you to squeeze in and take away offloads. Right. And so you see this a lot. I think the AGs are doing this. I think NOLA have really improved in their middle defense. I think the Giltinis do this really well. Like you basically stop the teams from being able to move the ball wide by going forward, by being really, really strong in the middle. Right. And so there's, there's a, you know, so the first thing is what you want to do is you want to find some way to be able to break that down. And that's why you see teams with ball runners with short passes either side, right? So they're not looking for a long pass. They're looking for a supporter that's basically on their shoulder and they're trying to get that guy through a half gap outside of the defender that's on the ball carrier, right? And the reason they wanna do that is that they just, they're not really trying to get a break. They just don't want a strong shoulder to hit them. So if I'm a ball carrier and I take the ball against the middle defense that's a pressure defense and is staying square and I run, Two shoulders are going to hit me and I'm going to go backwards, right? But if I'm able to like commit my defender and pass into the gap just outside me and that player has a pretty good angle, he will be tackled, but it won't be as strong a shoulder and that guy will be able to get over the game line. So the first thing you've got to do to beat a pressure defense is you have to go forward. You'll see that from first phase, from the scrum on the line out, and then you have to continue to go forward, right? This is the challenge you have against ATL, and the reason why I would run the ATL defense if I was an MLR coach is it requires a high level of execution, right? So maybe you don't do this against England, right? Or you don't do it against the Springboks because they have that high level of execution. But with MLR being a developing league, if, if you don't get a go forward against ATL, you might as well kick it, right? Mm. Because you just, won't, you just won't break down that defense. So the first thing, always get go forward, look for those half gaps outside the ball carrier. The second thing, Dan, and this is something you were probably pretty good up in your day, is attacking kicks, right? So grubbers, pop kicks, kicks where you look to try and get the ball back. Because if you put the ball behind that pressure defense, and this is really true of ATL, I think it's less true of some of the others, but ATL is so pure about it. There aren't as many cover lines, right? Because all the defenders are up in the line, there aren't as many cover lines. There's a lot of work that like the blind side wing and the nine have to do. So little grubbers and little kicks. You saw this, I think, I think it was Will Kelly against um, ATL uh, a few weeks ago. I think he put a little grubber behind that ended up being a try. Like those sorts yeah. of things, like you, is, is that space behind that line, right? And so that's one, one way to cover or, or to slow down that, that launch. So little grubbers, little pop kicks, hit that space behind. That's the second way. And the third way, and you see teams try to do this, but they don't do it very well because they don't get their depth right, is to use, um, is to attack the space wide. So if you want to pressure, if you want a strong defense in the middle, you've got to be relatively tight. And so what you do is you leave space wide with the understanding that you can move out there, 
right? So as the ball goes out there, you can fill that space. Um, and, and often you'll be quite soft, right? You might even run like backwards when the ball gets out there, you're okay doing that um, and using the sideline as that extra defender. And what teams, what attacking teams try to do is they try to hold that defensive drift when it gets wide by running what are called blocking runs, right? And so blocking runs are runners that are in front of the ball. You don't have to touch anyone. You don't have to get in the way of a, of a, of a defender theoretically, right? But what you have to do is you're supposed to attract defenders. The challenge that the teams have right now in MLR is that their first, their early passes are too deep, right? They're so deep that their first receiver's too deep, not a threat. Their second receiver's too deep, not, not a threat. And their blocking runners are just like, lazy forwards that are standing in front of them that they don't hold the defense and that their outside backs are too flat or their outside mm -hmm. backs normally there are some backs in the back row forwards they're too flat so even if they have created some space the outside backs are too flat to be able to change their line and attack the holes that are there so often you'll see there'll be a three on two but the three attackers are like absolutely flat there's no change of line out there and so you can do it well if you're flatter, which is hard because flatter means that you're more in the face of the defense, right? And you've got to execute your skills under that pressure. If you're flatter in the middle and you're a little deeper on the outside, but most of the attack right now in MLR is deep in the middle and flat on the outside and that doesn't work. So get go forward and keep getting go forward with runners running off the shoulder, attack the space behind with attacking kicks and use those blocking runners, but get the depth right. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting because New York has beat ATL twice this year. What about that New York side seems to worry this defense of ATL? So I think what New York do really, really well against ATL is they turn breaks into tries. They have great support runners. And I think their support runners are really, really good. And that's what you can do against, this, against ATL is that when you get that break, you need to score. Because if, they, if you get tackled, and the ball isn't out quickly, they've rebuilt the line. So I think what New York do really well is they're really good at converting their line breaks. Pushing forward. You know what I found New York do well is offload too. And that's the other way. If, yeah, uh, that's, that, that is the that other tip way. On, yeah, that is yeah, the tip on is the, the not the end of the play. It's actually just the, the right, precursor. Right, the start of getting on the other side of the defense, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. Look so that was the other and, thing. And power, demonstrating one some of, knowledge of the game. One of, one of the things when we, we'd run against hard defenses that I used to do or try to do was have a forward who would attract big shoulders, right? Like a big ball carrier right. and be like, give me a tip and then have a finisher on my outside. Knowing yep. full well, I'm only going to get one shoulder. Chances are I'm probably going to get tackled, but I have long arms and I had good hands. So I could get my hands free and offload. So I knew that I was basically the sacrificial lamb. Well, dude inside me was the sacrificial lamb. Uh -huh. I took the lamb to slaughter and then boom, the executioner who was the finisher on the outside would do. And then, and everyone, I agree with you, you've got to push forward. And I think that's one of the things that a few times this year that I'm sure games you've called as well, where you're like, someone makes a break and they look, look, and they're like, well, where, where is everyone? Because that disjointed depth to flat yep. play is, is there. But I was always a flat guy. I love playing in the teeth of the defense, like right here. Because I felt if you made the right decision, it was really hard to defend against, but made a few wrong ones as well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, I mean, I think, Dan, you know, you're a silky player, right? So, you know, and I think we still see silky players. Like, I think that, like, I think it's one of the things that we've seen. So Joe Peterson can do it, right? You can see Joe, Joe Peterson take the ball to the line and still throw like a 25 meter skip pass, right? Um, I think Kirk Coleman can do it. Um but yeah. there, there aren't that many guys in the league that can do it. And I think that's... You know who was the best in the four years of Major League Rugby was Martin Onu. No one put a ball into space oh, better. Right. And then, no surprise, the guy is like one of the greatest of all time. But he passed the space. Like he would not pass. The, and it's one of the things, it's a tough concept to get. But, you know, we have it in America with the NFL. Like quarterbacks will not throw the ball at a player. They'll throw right. Tom Brady's phenomenal. Hey, this is the route. This is going to be our cadence. I'm going to throw the ball. You better be there. So it's and that's interesting. The same thing that like, Donner did. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to me, I think that as coaches in the states, and and um, you know, I won't speak to Canada, but I would guess this is probably the same. Is we spend way too much time with what someone should do with the ball, and not enough time with what you should do without the ball, because the skill of being able yeah. to run into a hole that 
maybe you know is going to be there but isn't there yet right and yeah. to get those lines i mean i i know when i first came to the states you know i was a scrum half but like if you had an accent they made you a fly half and i would take the ball to the line all the time there'd be a hole and i'd be waiting for the player to run into it and they wouldn't run into it and then two guys would tackle me and i'd be like just run into that hole but it's actually yeah. a really con really difficult concept because we yeah. don't teach that we teach the pass but we don't necessarily teach the seeing of space before you receive the pass, right? And I think that's because it's quite kind of hard to teach. But, Probably basketball yeah. would be the best comparison over here. Yeah, I think sport. basketball would be perfect comparison for that, right? Triangle, Phil Jackson, mm -hmm. Last Dance, great documentary. But uh, I will tell you that what you said, running off the ball, if there are you know new people and we talked a little rugby league, the best player I've ever played with who did it and he retired um, – last year or the year before was Billy Slater. Like unbelievable ability to change direction before the pass was thrown. The amount of times that you would think that you would see him running a line and he would change his line before the pass was thrown and just synced up and gone. He was right. unbelievable at it. And it's something that you can actually practice. Like you only need one other person, set out some cones and I'm, hey, I'm going to do a bump line out, but throw it and then I'll bump to the ball. And it's anyway, we've gone, we've gone down the, the rabbit hole here. Let's get back on track and talk about some games this weekend, but Professor Tactics, love it, love it. It's it's always it's always great on the whiteboard, isn't it? When you put it up, and then you get out, you're like, just do what I told you on the whiteboard. What's wrong? <laughs> so you got so, so Dan, that you know, that's a journey that you go on as a coach. Like, and this is something that I learned very. Right, it took me a long time. I mean, I coached for like twenty five years, so it took me a long time. But what I realized um, was that. The trick of coaching is not like the complex play. The trick of coaching is getting someone to do something. And generally, the simpler it is, the more likely they are to do it consistently. And sounds like parenting. Yep. Yeah, exactly the same thing. All right, let's get back, All right. On, back on. All right, let's run through the games this weekend. We don't have a lot of action this weekend. A lot of teams on by. So Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern, we have New York at New England. Uh, the other Saturday game is San Diego and Seattle. Uh, that one will be in, I, th I think it's going to be at Chula Vista, this one, not at Torero, which is a shame. Uh, Sunday, two games, both games on FS1. Uh, the Toronto game against DC will be on TSN as well. Six Eastern, 10 Eastern will be NOLA at LA. That's a big one. Big, big, big one. That one has playoff implications. New York, New England does as well. So the other two games, teams that are out of it. So just have fun. I hope the teams really just embrace it and be like, hey, we're out of it. Let's just, you know, chip kick little, little Carlos Spencer over the top of the head. Just we'll see a lot of drop. Maybe we'll see a lot of drop goals this weekend. Joe Peterson, he'll fire. He'll, Joe Peterson will do something fun. I know it. Come on, Joe, don't let me down. All right, let's bring in Stats Boy, fresh off his interview. He's uh, he's flying high right now, Stats Boy. He's untouchable. Uh, the old Teflon man himself. <laughs> what do you got for us, buddy? Uh, so, uh, I guess an addendum to the statistic that we had last week with most used players by a team in MLR. Uh, Seattle now has used 52 players, um, which I, I think it's going to the the record I know in modern rugby in a season is the Dragons with, uh, with 62. Um, so, so hopefully, I, that's we, a rough year. We might be on track to that. I hope we're not, but we could be and then the other uh which is a milestone that we reached uh last week but tour it was after we recorded is a, a thousand players have now contracted with mlr teams over the um four i guess four years and but three and a half seasons of do we know who that do we know who the 1000th player is did he get like a special contract <laughs> mr irrelevant <laughs> i mean i could i do you want me to spend the time to pull this up? I can find yeah, out. Dude. Maybe. No, no, let's not. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Because hey, I mean, that's... I'm pretty sure there, Go, there, there's going to be like an 1,001 this week. So, you know. Yeah. Hey, Stats Boy, I've got a number for you as well. It's the number 40. And I know a lot of players have been hitting it, but big fan of the show, Scott Green, referees his 40th match. Wow, Major League Rugby this weekend. So he is the first official to hit 40. That's that's great for Scott. Like, uh, uh, I mean, I'm surprised yeah. because I mean, the first two years we flew officials around a lot, right? So I'm surprised he's he's not 
beyond 40, but I guess some guys, they need to, they need to take some time off, get some sun, put their feet in the sand, you know, especially for, for referees. Um, I mean, at least, uh, uh, one of us on this show knows how referees, uh, are, are stressed out all the time. So, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, so that's, wow, that's pretty awesome. Um, I think he's, and then Derek Summers is probably, um, a few more behind him, but he would be the only other one that I think has been around that long now. Since, since year one, I think, yeah, Derek, like, yep. Um, so Uh, that's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. All right. Pick him. Pick him. so gorgeous Dan was idle uh, this last week. Uh, he was so he's still I in ten. Somehow I, I only missed one game too, but somehow I went down nineteen. So it you, must have been your scores. You, you didn't pick the score. Someone yeah, below you picked scores clearly. And the one game that I think we probably all got wrong was we all went safe and picked New England. Um, yeah, so guilty. That's. That's uh, where I fell off, but field advantage. But but the professor, um, he's uh, he's trying. He no no no. He's he's trying to salvage his rugby knowledge reputation. He has gone up four spaces. Uh, so it's been in the thirties, though, right? Yeah, still in the thirties. You went up yeah. from thirty eighth to thirty four. So all right. Um, Do you think it's possible the professor can crack top twenty before the year's out? Like, what's the gap between 34th and 20? So 34th and 20. So he's at um, 54.08 and 20 is 60.33. So if I, I Come think, on, Pete. I'm not even, Pete, oh, sorry, I wasn't I mean, even listening to this conversation because I've like checked it. Like, I'm not Pete, even, I think I may have missed a game or something. I don't Pete, know. I need you to like, hit. Every now and then I'll, I'll get, oh, I'm like, all right, I'm going to randomly. I, I'm, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw darts. And let the darts or roll. We got a couple of weeks. We got a couple of weeks. I need you to hit three grand slam points. You can do it, Pete. I think you can do do it. Grand slam point. You get all the pick pick all of them. All the games right. See, I I don't even know the the rules of the game that I'm losing. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like an excuse someone who's losing would make. All right, right. let's do uh, let's do this weekend's game, Pete. Okay, Uh, Seattle at San Diego. Get your darts out. This is one of those ones where a dart may actually be more accurate. Yeah, I mean, I, so what's interesting to me about this game is that, um, you know, San Diego are missing a couple of players that, that will be off. Um, you know, Seattle, I think, are missing a couple of players too. Um, I'm really interesting to see because I'm, I'm, I'm now fascinated by what Alan Clark is doing with Seattle and seeing, like, Foodie at 12 last week. So, so what's the, 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 um, the rabbit out of the hat this time? Um, but it's at San Diego. I think, you know, and, and, and now they're out of it. Like, is Joe Peterson going to play? Are they going to look at some young guys too? I don't know. I mean, I think, I think in these, when there's non-playoff implications, it's really difficult to know um, what to do now. But I kind of feel, I, I still feel like San Diego have, have a lot of quality. And Seattle, Alan Clark's like experimenting for performance, not necessarily for outcome. So I think I'll still go with San Diego. I think, I think that this, this might be a fun game. I think this might be like a 35-30 game. I hope it's a 35-30 game. hope it's a 55-50 game. But uh, yeah, I'm thinking San Diego as well. Home field advantage. As long as Peterson and Patty Ryan and those guys play, Nate Augsburg is back and he looks, he looks really dynamic. So uh, you get them in there. Bjorn Basson, Cam Clark. There's just some good players in there. I just think on paper, they look a little stronger than Seattle. All right. New York at New England. This is the last ever game at Union Point Stadium. There you go. Are you doing Are you doing any of these games this weekend or you have the weekend off? I'm doing Seattle, San Diego, DC, Toronto, and NOLA, LA. I'm doing three games this weekend. We, we have three four, national right? games. You are, you are the voice of MLR. Two Fox. Uh, only um, for the big show, man. Only for the. I'm like Jim Nance now. I get on the private jet. They fly me in for the big games. And I just just go and play golf. Um. So I, I, you know, this is a really tough one because New York have been on a run, um, but they, you know, New England are at home. New England didn't play great. I, I, you know, I, I think Walker is a great player, but playing him at ten, I think you missed something. I think that he's too easily controlled by the defense at 10 i'd prefer to see him like at 15 um 
So, but but I think, you know, you, I, I think in these sorts of situations, you go with the team that you think you have something to play for, right? And so I think New York has something to play for. So I think I'll go with New York on this one, but I think it's going to be really close. And I think this is going to be a great game. I think this is going to be like 21-18 New York. Yeah. I think Ryan Martin was the best man for the job. But I don't think anyone gets as much out of that roster as what Ryan Martin did this year, just the quality of coach he is. So uh, it's a shame that they did lose that game to Nola because I, I was really rooting for him to make a run there and get into the playoffs. It looks like their fans have been great. Their numbers have been good. So they're well supported. They're doing great things up there in New England. But yeah, I think New York can put a bit of distance between themselves and Nola before a ball is kicked uh, the next day for this one. But they're missing a lot. No Brakeley, no Sabetta, no Hunko, no Andy Ellis. Maybe the return of Dan Holland's head. Maybe. Um, you know, Nowity. No Nowity. He's gone with Canada. Uh, I know I'm forgetting someone. I know I am. But uh, yeah, this would be a good one. Yeah, I, I'm leaning towards what you're saying, though, in New York, more to play for. All right, DC at Toronto in Atlanta. Mm. This could be a roster. Like, what does Toronto have left in the closet? Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling. Yeah, I was really impressed with the young guys that Toronto pulled out and you know, put on mm-hmm. to help them come back against New York. Um, I, I'm not as impressed by DC. I think I'm going to go with Toronto. I think that, you know, I, I think they've got some depth that they'll pull out. Um, you know, but, but I think this will be a bit of a wild game. I think it's going to be like swings back and forth. I think it, it, like the fact if it breaks up, that might help DC because they've got so many good players that can play off the cuff. Uh, but, you know, 32-30 to Toronto. Yeah, this will be so... Obviously, it's well-known Toronto missing a ton of players to Canada and Uruguay. Um, for DC, no Jamison Clarner schultz no uh, Mike Yusufsini-Fangai, no Mike DeBoulos, and Stan South is out for the year through injury. So there's four pretty critical players Um the baby arrows, huh? Is this the, the baby arrows? Baby arrows? Oh, I love it. Yeah, this will be interesting to watch. All right, Nola at LA. LA. I think I think it's LA just because of, like, I think this would be a great game if Nola didn't have, I mean, I think they had two props. I think Matt Harmon and Dino Waldron were both called up, like, having not made the original squad. Like, I think, if I would love to see Nola, the full pack go up against i just don't think their pack can live with la with the you know i mean i it's going to be this is going to be a game too far and their and their road trip i mean i think this is la uh you know 35 15 um, but notice defense is good and so remember if you can hold off la in that first 20 minutes you can compete i just think like you know i would love to see cam dolan go up against dave dennis that would be a great matchup that i would like to see so but not you know can they get a bonus point? Who? I don't Nola? think Nola can get Nola. a bonus point because Nola, I don't can, think Nola can, can they score. get a bonus point. Yeah, I don't think Nola can score four tries. LA's Nola, defense rock score. solid, man. Yeah. I agree. LA's, LA's defense under the radar. It's become a little bit more prevalent as they've stopped their high scoring games. But that defense Darren Coleman has in place there is rock solid. Yeah. They defend it. So well, they're so effective. Yeah, I mean, I just don't so think aggressive. Nola can be with it. Yeah, Nola can't be within seven points, and I don't think they've got four tries in them, so I don't think they can get a bonus point. All right, all right, that'll wrap it up. We've got uh, USA England on the fourth of July, Canada Wales as well coming up. So, um, do your best to find those games wherever they are. I, I, I have to, I have, I, have, I have to say that um, one of the things Dan I did on the weekend was I watched the Premiership final. Yeah. And if, and if, you, if you haven't watched it, go back, go back, go on Peacock and watch it. It's it's well worth a watch. Um, and it was it was such a good game. So Marcus Smith, who was the fly half for Harlequins, is in the um, England squad, and he just had he's had a phenomenal season. But he had a great game, um, and it would be exciting to watch him play against the uh, USA players. Um, and I think I think Wales has, have already announced their squad. I think they've got five uncapped players. Um, in that squad, so um, that'll be a that'll be a tough tough game for Canada. It'll be a tough game for the US. So, um, but you know, looking hey, forward to watching the games. 
to be the man, you've got to beat the man. Woo! So bring it on. Can't wait to watch it. It'll be fun to see the the effects of Major League Rugby. Don't forget, Peter, it wasn't too long ago, just over a decade, we played against England's A-side. and They put, you know, 60-plus points on us. So we will start to see the trickle-down effect. It took Japan close to 20 years for the, their professional comp to really take hold of the national team. So I think we're moving a lot faster than that. But this will be a good test this weekend. So get on there and watch it. Final thoughts, Pete? Any reviews? Any? Uh, no, we don't have any stuff? reviews. But this is this is what I think we should do. Now, coming up to our hundredth um, episode is that if you're a listener, yeah. if you haven't done a review, um, we'll have a giveaway for the best review for our hundredth episode. Okay. So Deal. so so let's let's get reviews in over the next over the last four weeks of the season. And then we'll do um, we'll do a giveaway. You and I will sign something like a cocktail, or like a cocktail thing, or something like that. I don't know. We'll get wow. we'll get you know we'll, we'll think about that. You know, um, Aaron and Dan have never heard this before, so now it's just on Aaron to execute. Like I didn't want to talk to Aaron about it first because he might say no. So I thought I'd just announce it on the pod. Of course, he does have the power of the edit, so maybe this doesn't get into the into no the show. no. That's for email email Walshie. And then see if we can get one jersey, one Paladin jersey, and whoever wins it can pick the jersey, and then we'll uh, we'll sign it. Yeah, that can be the thing. Or if you don't want us to sign it, we won't sign it as well. If you want it uh, untouched, so all right, Professor, it's been great, always pleasure, Stats Boy. You too. Good job with the interview. Proud of you, buddy. It's like your children's coming, you know, letting Aaron out to to school for the first day and he did so well we're so proud of him all right that wraps it up for another mlr kickoff for the professor pete steinberg our producer aaron castro i am dan power this has been the mlr kickoff episode 96 of mlr kickoff brought to you by shop powered by the rugby shop